0: Our children, ages 3 to 5, may be dismissed with our volunteers in the back to Children's Church. And for those who remain, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians 1. We are continuing our study in this book and bring our look at chapter 1 to a conclusion today, looking at this section, verses 27 through 30. Philippians 1, 27-30, this is God's Word. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is God's word. Let's pray that he would give us wisdom this morning. O Lord Almighty,
1: we need you to speak with power. As your spirit works through the word, that you might exalt Christ before
0: us and teach us afresh and anew what it means to walk. In the gospel, in the good news of who he is and
1: what he's done. What it means to follow in his way. Even if it means we should suffer for his sake.
0: That we might bring glory and honor to him. Give us eyes to see what these things mean. Give us
1: strength to follow after you with believing hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So good news. We all like good news. Changes things. All right, it's getting colder outside. Some of
0: you are opening up your closets and pulling out the old winter coats. And have you ever had that moment where you pull out a piece of clothing you haven't worn in months and you find like $20 in the pocket? I mean, like the whole day is great. Where'd it come from? I don't remember. I put this away six months ago, a year ago, and there's $20. And you start thinking, where am I going to eat lunch? What am I going to get? What am I going to do? Should I check all my coat pockets? Good news changes things. Like when you get word that the grandbaby or the niece or nephew that you've been waiting to hear about they have arrived safely into this world and mother and child are doing well and you just want to get on social media and even if you don't have a social media account, you just want to set one up so you can send the word out, baby's arrived. It's Good news. It changes things. It changes your outlook. It changes your actions. It changes your disposition It changes everything. Imagine, if you will, for just a moment. If right now all of our phones started beeping, this is not an invitation. But just imagine if they did with the good news that a cure for cancer has been
1: discovered and confirmed. Not a treatment. A cure. That'd be good news. Would change so much. The gospel, which is a word that means literally good news,
0: the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate good news. Because it's good news about who our God is and what he has done for us. And because it's the ultimate good news, greater than even an announcement of a cure for cancer.
1: The gospel ought to bring the ultimate change. This is what Paul is getting at
0: when he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. This word here only, it's not evident in the English, but in the Greek, this this word is the equivalent of, hey, listen up, I got just one thing. Look, if you fall asleep and don't hear anything else for the rest of the sermon, get this one thing.
1: All in that one little word. That's the sense of it. Paul's been talking about a lot of things, but he's like, look, get this. Let your manner of life be worthy. Of
0: the Now, let your manner of life be worthy is all also one word in the Greek. Greek is both a frustrating and beautiful language sometimes. And it's this verb that's connected to uh, the Greek word for city and citizenship. And Paul is using that word in a way that he doesn't usually, or he's using a word that he doesn't usually use in this context because in Philippi, a Roman Outpost, a Roman colony. Citizenship in the Roman Empire was held in high regard, and Paul's own dealings in Philippi drew upon the power and worth of his Roman
1: citizenship. And he's telling the Philippian believers
0: your Roman citizenship is nothing compared to the citizenship that you have in the kingdom of heaven in the kingdom of God. And so, if you're going to live, live as citizens of that kingdom. Believe the good news. The sense is not, live lives worthy of the gospel so that you can get into heaven. The sense is, there is good news that's been announced. Let your life reflect it. Let your life show forth in a worthy way, in a true way, just how good this news is. Because the good
1: news of the gospel of Christ ought to change everything.
0: We don't have time to talk about everything, but we can talk about how it changes our relationship with God himself. How it changes our relationships with other believers, how it changes our relationships with unbelievers, and how it changes our relationship with the very world and culture and life, the life that we lead from day to day. The gospel changes everything our relationship with God, believers, unbelievers, and the world. So we're going to look at that this morning. And the first thing I want you to do is look with me at this. Reality that the good news, the gospel of Christ, utterly and completely changes your relationship to God. Maybe this goes without saying. Maybe this is Christianity 101. Maybe this is something that you've heard before. And yet, we continually, day after day, get God wrong. We think about God and attribute to Him motivations and attributes and actions that are not true. We adapt from our culture things and concepts of God that do not reflect who He really is. And even if we might recite true doctrine with our lips, functionally altogether too often we live as if we believe untrue things about God. We think of him and live before him as if he's some cosmic sheriff just waiting to issue a warrant for our arrest and throw us in prison. We live as if he is merely imagined, a concept to sort of help you have a more positive life, like the power of positive thinking.
1: Or we live as if he is just utterly irrelevant, Thing is, when you grapple with the truth about who God is,
0: it shatters all those misconceptions. Reality has a way of doing that. You've ever heard scratching in the wall? Yeah. It's always disconcerting to me. Like, is this a pipe? Is this bugs? Is what is going on here? And imagine you keep hearing this scratching, and you're trying to find it, and you're spending. You know, days or weeks waiting, trying to figure out exactly where it's coming from. And when you finally get up the nerve to dig into the wall, you find out there's been a rat's nest there the whole time. And you realize, maybe I should have done something about
1: this sooner. Not let it wait and fester. There's going to come a time
0: when we're confronted with the truth of who God is as well. And if we've lived in denial of those truths,
1: we're going to wish we had grappled with them sooner. But what the gospel is,
0: is an announcement of good news about
1: who God is and what he's done. Paul speaks here, of the salvation that the believers in Philippi have and
0: share with all believers everywhere. A a salvation from sin, a salvation from death, a salvation from alienation from God, a salvation that they did not earn, that they did not accomplish, that they did not merit that they didn't even dream of, a salvation that is theirs from God. And the good news is an announcement of that salvation, an announcement of how God has accomplished it, that in Christ, God dealt with all of our sin and all of our shame. He dealt with anything that could possibly hinder us from being restored and reconciled to Him. He brought peace, not war, to our relationship with God. And He's tearing down the dividing wall of hostility between mankind as well. And he has done all of this, not asking our permission, not seeking our guidance. He has done it himself in Christ, even to the point of defeating our greatest enemy,
1: death. As Jesus not only died for the sins of his people, but raised again to newness of life. To prove and establish that he is king even over that great power. And he sends his Spirit to us, that he might work the truth of that
0: good news in us and through us, so that that announcement of who God is and what he's done might be known every corner of the world. This is why Paul can admonish them that he wants to see them standing firm in one spirit. It's not a reference to some mere human spirit, but to the knitting together by the Holy Spirit of these believers in Philippi, by the power of
1: God, because of what has been announced in Christ through the gospel. It's not something to earn. It's not something to work for. It's not something to accomplish.
0: It's not something to memorize. It's not something to achieve. It's not something to check off. The gospel is an announcement from God to you. He has cleared the way in Christ for you to be reconciled and restored to him. And there is nothing that can
1: prevent that restoration and reconciliation. We get God wrong when we doubt this is true. How
0: frequently do you do it? How frequently do you get God wrong?
1: Sometimes for me, it feels like it's every day. When I sin and say things and do
0: things that I regret and wish that I hadn't done, and I think, how am I
1: going to make this up to Christ as if I could? Or when I think of his call
0: to holiness and obedience, and I think that if I do those things and can check them off
1: the list, that somehow he will then bestow blessing and favor upon me. After I've gotten all of my things together. Often do you get God wrong,
0: striving and straining to impress or please, and forgetting who He is, and that who He
1: is is best announced with good news. The gospel ought to change the way we
0: relate to God, but it also ought to change our relationship to other believers. We don't just get God wrong, we get church wrong,
1: we get community wrong How often? notice, preface this question with "How often, not, if. How often? Do you get disappointed in the church? Don't ever Don't ever ask your pastor to answer that question, maybe. Why? What's the source of that disappointment and discouragement? Maybe you were mistreated by someone. Nobody saw your need and helped. Maybe you felt pushed aside or neglected. Maybe you didn't like the music or the instruments or the bulletin or the PowerPoint or the translation or how often they met or what the schedule was or what the small groups were like. And you get disappointed. And almost every time that disappointment is
0: flowing from the reality that the church hasn't lived up to our
1: expectations of what it should be. They never will. That's not what the church is. It is not a community designed to live up to your expectations. To meet all of your needs. The church is a community forged
0: and founded in Christ and designed by Christ for
1: Christ's purposes. And when we come to the church looking
0: for everyone else. To do for us, we will always be disappointed. Because there is no one here
1: who is able to do what Christ is able to do. And to be for you what Christ is able to be. Sometimes we come to the church thinking... It's only going to measure
0: up if it measures up to my expectations. The church is a lot more like what C.S. Lewis describes in The Four Loves as the love of friendship. It's a community that's gathered together like, like a couple of friends. Friends don't get together simply because they always meet one another's expectations. In fact, that's almost never the case. Friends almost always get together for some common purpose, Lewis describes it with a metaphor of two people walking side by side in the same direction for the same goal. They like to fish. They like to discuss sports. They like gardening. They have some common interest and common goal and their only expectation is that they get to walk together with one another in the midst of it. And the church is... is That times infinity because it is a community formed by Christ where we all can strive side by side for the faith, as Paul says in verse 27, looking together to Jesus, united by our love for him, united by our need for him, united by who he is and what he is doing in us and through us. And so we strive not
1: to get out what we want. We strive side by side for the faith. The faith
0: of the gospel. In this mission that Christ
1: has given us to be salt and light in a dark, decaying world. What are your expectations of this community? Dietrich Bonhoeffer,
0: in his book *Life Together*, spends quite a deal—a good deal of time—deconstructing our expectations of what this community would be. You can't
1: deconstruct them if you don't know what they are. What is it that you're expecting here? How might that need to change in light of what? Jesus himself is doing in this place among these people in this world? What would it look like for us to strive side by side toward him, for him, in him? Not just looking to gain, How would that change the way we treat one another? How would that change the way we support and encourage one another?
0: How would that change the way we are able to bear one another's
1: burdens? How would that change our propensity towards grumbling and complaining? It ought to. Because the good news is so good...
0: It's an announcement that not only has God changed the way we relate to him, but he is tearing down all the walls that would divide us from one another
1: and teaching us what it means to follow Jesus together. Doesn't just change our relationship with God or our relationship with believers. The gospel also changes our relationship to unbelievers. We live in a a world now where
0: it's not as cool as it once was to call upon the name of Christ. And we seem shocked by that for some reason. My dad um, would take my brothers and I to uh, the University of South Carolina football games almost every weekend because my mom worked for the University of South Carolina and could get really cheap tickets in a really good section. So we would go watch mediocre football, and it was fun. It was a good weekend activity. But my dad, you see, was a graduate of the of Clemson University. And whenever Clemson came to uh, williams Bryce Stadium to play the Gamecocks, he would come decked out in all of his Clemson clothes, right here in the middle of all of the Gamecocks fans section and it was embarrassing for me and my brother, but Dad didn't care. And people would say stuff and make snide remarks as they're losing. And Dad, Dad was never surprised for some reason that he got some pushback for coming dressed as a Clemson Tiger.
1: Why is it that we are surprised, shocked even, when the world doesn't like
0: it when we live for Jesus? Now, now understand, even as we read uh, from the words of Christ, it's easy also for the world uh, to not like you because you're just a jerk. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Right? It's anytime anybody accuses you falsely because of your faith in me. But how often does that happen? Where Because we hold to the truth of Scripture and to the truth of the good news of who Jesus is,
1: the world looks upon us with disdain. Maybe you can just focus on the things that our culture uh, approves of. Here
0: in the South, we can talk a lot about the evils of abortion. And we can talk a lot about the the Christian sexual ethic and the the purity that, that Christ calls us to. And we don't get a whole lot of pushback because, you know, of course that's true. But if you were to go up north and talk about some of those things or out west you might get your gasps
1: what do you mean
0: I'm not free to pursue whatever sexual desires I want whenever I want
1: what do you mean it's not my body my choice of course if you were to talk here about the evil of Racism and partiality.
0: And the need for Christians to be generous and kind
1: and caring for the poor, you might get a lot of pushback there too. Well, it's their fault that they're poor, isn't it? There's no such thing as injustice. Everything's fixed and the world is fine and a happy place. The thing is, when you teach all of those things, which are all true,
0: core, Christian, conservative, Christian, orthodox doctrines. Wherever you go, preaching the lordship of Christ over all those things and more. You preach faithfully. If you live faithfully, it will cause offense. You will get pushback.
1: And opposition. And you shouldn't be surprised. Nor should you be frightened. Paul says that he wants us to stand firm
0: in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Not frightened by what laws they might pass. Not frightened by what they may or may not cancel or counsel. Not frightened by whatever unjust treatment you may suffer
1: because of your faithfulness to Christ. And he says this strange thing. He says, this is a clear
0: sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God what does that mean? What is he talking about? What's the sign? What Paul is saying is is our unity with one another in Christ, striving for the faith of the gospel and staying true to what God has called us to do and to be because of Jesus is a sign of how
1: good the good news is. We would give up everything for that. And how dangerous it is to reject it. It's
0: a sign of their destruction unless they too receive the good news. But it's a sign of our salvation. Because as we've heard announced from God, He is able
1: to save us from everything. God is for us. Who can be against us? But that's not the same as saying, and we will be able to
0: achieve every success and position of power that we set our earthly minds to. This means if God is for us, his purposes, his glory, his love,
1: his plan will never fail for us or to us, or in us, no matter what. And this is why we don't have to be frightened by opposition. What do your fears reveal about what you really love, about what you
0: really think is good news? And we got an election coming up in a couple of days.
1: Maybe it's set you on edge, maybe not. Have you put too much stock in princes? That this would cause you to shake and wonder will God's purposes prevail? What do the things you fear
0: reveal about what you love, about what you think is really good news? The loss of comfort, the loss of power, the loss of success? Do those things make you afraid?
1: Or do you so long for Christ and to grow in Christ-likeness? Are you so
0: enamored with the peace you have with God and one another because of
1: Jesus that you aren't frightened by anything any opposition might raise. Finally, I want you to see that the good news of the
0: gospel also changes our relationship to the world, which is to say it changes the way we live. Sometimes we treat the gospel as an extra flavor that we add to our lives. Sort of like that's all the rage now to like put truffle, you know, truffle gratings or truffle oil and everything, french fries, truffle oil on them for some reason, or gold flakes on chocolate cake or whatever. Like, I mean, I, guess, I don't know. I've never had it. Maybe it tastes good. Maybe it doesn't, but you know, it makes it, makes it better, I guess. But the thing is, is, is if, if you've burned the chocolate cake, You can put all the truffle oil and all the gold flakes on it you want. It's still burned cake. The gospel is not something that you just add to the misery of this estate. It's something that fundamentally transforms the way you live from the inside out to the very core. It's not just an extra component to your life. And when Paul went out into the world and lived that way, in word and in deed, it confronted the idols of his age. It confronted the idols of his culture. This is how the church in Philippi was founded, in no small part. He cast out a demon and brought people's economic well-being into question. And he was castigated and persecuted as a result. But out of that conflict, even out of his imprisonment, God forged the church there in that city. As Paul confronted the idols around him and lived faithfully for Jesus and didn't just treat the gospel as something extra to add on. Come, try it. It's like sprinkles on the ice cream of life. But no, it changes everything. It brought conflict and opposition with the world. But out of that conflict and opposition God birthed a new community in Christ
1: and brought good and transformation and a life where there was idolatry and death. And so we have that same call
0: in the world and the culture in which we live. For it's been granted to us by God to not only that we should believe in Christ for his sake, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This conflict
1: that will inevitably arise when we confront the idols of the age. What idols? might we need to be confronting here? And what will God bring forth from that conflict? That is of eternal
0: value. That is of glorious good. That is
1: proof that his good news is the ultimate good news. And do we have the patience to wait and see what he will do? Look, this isn't rocket science. Either you really believe that the good news is as good as God says it is, or you don't. It's
0: not something you just give lip service to and say, oh yeah, I I believe, of course I believe, of course I'm a
1: Christian, I'm not a communist. No. Does your life reflect that you really believe that this is the ultimate good news? Is your life worthy of it? Does your life reveal the surpassing worth of the good news of Christ?
0: That's the charge. That's the challenge. And if you miss everything
1: else, don't miss this. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to see how good this good news is. Help us to see how it changes everything. Lord, we know that, that it's not an
0: instantaneous thing. We know that we have to grow. We know that it's a, there's a striving, that there's a living, that there's a path you've called for us to walk, and that in that you are conforming us more and more into the likeness and image of Christ. But help us, O oh Lord, to start that path knowing that it's worth it because the good news of Jesus Christ is the ultimate good news.
1: Do this, we pray, for the sake of Christ. Amen.